He is the Word of God, a prophet, a servant. He is the bread of life, the shepherd and the lamb. He is the messenger. He is the humble king. He is the Son of God. He was rejected and abandoned. He was betrayed and condemned. He was mocked and beaten, bruised and pierced. He was crucified and buried. But the nails could not hold him. The cross could not finish him. The stone could not keep him. Could not defeat him. He is our ransom and our redeemer. He is our deliverer and our refuge. He is mighty. He is glorious. He is holy and exalted. He is our Savior. And He is. Good morning, everyone. Christ is risen. The Word of God, the Redeemer, our Shepherd, the Bread of Life, the Son of God. The nails could not hold Him. The cross could not finish Him. The stone could not keep Him. Death could not defeat Him. You see, He paid our price so that we might have eternal life. And he is risen indeed. Amen. I want to thank the colonels for the opportunity to share from God's word this morning. Uh, when I was asked if I would uh, bring the message this morning, I, I jumped at the opportunity before anyone could change their mind. It was such a great news uh, to me that uh, I called my parents. I told my kids. I talked to my wife about it. I even discussed the direction that I should take my message with, with my golden retriever. Of course, he could have been a little more insightful, but hey, at least he was a good listener. You see, I love good news, right? Who doesn't? What if I told you, uh, uh, please check under your seats where you will find a bag with $1 million in it. That would be really good news, right? On the other hand, bad news is not as fun, right? So for example, uh, I'm sorry, but there's no bag under your seat uh, where you're going to find a million dollars. I'm really sorry. Now, I'm sure we've all received some good news in our lives, right? Something that really excited us, perhaps something on the lines of, uh, congratulations, you, you got the job. Or, congratulations, it's a girl. And then 14 months later, congratulations, it's a boy. Perhaps when the police officer says, I'm just going to let you off with a warning. Now, we all like good news, don't we? Truly, good news is the best. And so what we have this morning is the best news that we've ever heard. Better than God is faithful. Better than God has a plan for you. I would even say better than because God so loved the world. You see, the reason I say that, that this good news is better than all those, because Jesus not being dead, being raised from the dead, right? It, this particular good news validates all other good news, all other promises that we can get in Scripture. Because it tells us that everything God has promised is true. But what do we do with good news? Do we keep it to ourselves or like me with this opportunity today, we go and tell everyone? You know, I hope it is the latter one. After all, good news is made to be shared. 
No wonder the gospel of Jesus Christ is often referred to as the good news. But what about you? What are you doing with it? What's so good with this news? I mean, we were all sinners, right? Destined for death. But God took our punishment for us and was crucified on our behalf. That's pretty good news, I think. But it wasn't done, you see, because he did not stay dead, but was raised from that. He was raised from the grave, not only paying the price for our disobedience that we deserve, that we owed God. The price was required, but he also defeated death itself and set a clear path to restore all of the human race back to a loving creator. Now, notice, however, in the scriptures we see this, how we are not always ready to receive great news. Or good news. Sometimes, even if someone tells you, you must try this restaurant, it's absolutely the best. And we often push back. Is it, well, how far is it? How much does it cost? Do they serve Pepsi or Coke? Right, excuses, right? Outright lack of interest in the face of a potential good news. Notice from the scripture that was read today that it was the women. They were the ones that came out to see the body of Jesus. In their mind, I'd imagine, they meant to care for his body, perhaps to make sure that nothing had gone wrong. Yet what they find shocks them, right? The scripture tells us that even the guards were paralyzed with fear. Why is it that God keeps revealing his masterful plan to those who are living on the French society? Remember, the Son of God is born today. And he tells a bunch of untrustworthy, smelly shepherds. <laughs> those are not my words. That is how most people describe those soul shepherds in those days. They were not to be trusted. Yet God tells them, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And he shares this news with a group of women who did not have much standing in the culture's day. You know, I think God does this because of something later on the Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth when he says to them that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I'm not saying the shepherd or the women that they were foolish or weak. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it is foolish and weak when compared to the misguided perceptions of the world of those days. And in fact, our world today. And so I've often asked the question, where were the boys? And trust me, I call them boys because I've never seen the disciples as bearded old men, kind of like me, but more like young men who kept making mistake after mistake. I remember a little bit of that when I was younger. They were the, uh, the B team that, that didn't quite make the squad for their local rabbi, right? They were good Jewish boys who had devoted their lives to supporting their parents in the family business. After all, that's where Jesus calls them out from. We know that just a few days after the crucifixion, some had returned fishing. Maybe they didn't believe that Jesus would return. We know that they all ran, right? As Jesus was arrested, only John and Peter followed closely. And of course, we know what happened with Peter. He deny the Lord, and John stayed far away. Where are they then? Certainly, they're not going to the tomb like the women did. Therefore, God reveals himself to the faithful, to those who are willing to believe and willing to seek him out. These young men are so shocked at the passing of their teacher that they don't believe what the women come and tell them and report. In the gospel, according to John, we read that Peter and John, they ran out to the tomb upon hearing the news from the women. 
In fact, John chapter 20, verse 9 tells us they did, did not, they did not understand what had happened. In fact, in the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 11, we read that the words of the woman struck the apostles as nonsense. They didn't believe them. Now we have Thomas, of course, the apostle, who was not in the room when the women came. And, and when the rest of the disciples came back and joined them, what did he do? He doubted. He says, unless I see the marks in his hands, unless I can put my hands and fingers on this side of his body, I will not believe. We know that when Jesus eventually shows up, he goes up to Thomas and says, come on, touch my wounds, touch my side. And so Thomas believes. Now, friends, don't be so hard on Thomas. I know we've been hard on him throughout history. After all, he represents us. For he doubted just as we doubt, even today. He came to believe to faith when he experienced Jesus in a physical way. John ran to the tomb, didn't see Jesus there, was reminded, and he believed. So we all believe in different ways. You see, Jesus had told them about this. He had shared the good news before it happened. And yet they struggle to believe. Have you ever struggled believing something that you were told? These days, it would seem uh, in the media, for example, we hear uh, too many fantastic news that seem hard to fathom. And then when most of them, if not all of them, turn out to be fabrications and propaganda, it pushes us further into disbelief. Well, I don't want you to be fooled, friends. This is certainly the work of the enemy in this world to confuse truth so that we will not be able to recognize the goodness of God's truth when it's tearing us right in the face. Well, as a result of their lack of faith, I'm talking about the boys, the disciples, they're missing in action. The women are the ones that discover the empty tomb. The group of women, they're the ones that get the word of encouragement from the angel. Don't be afraid, he said to them. He's not dead. He is alive. They are the ones that are cheered on to go and tell others about what they had seen. You see, because of their experience, I'd like for us uh, to see the events of, of, of this resurrection through their eyes. And there's just some four basic things that we want to cover together today as we walk through them just real quick if you hang on there with me. Number one, if you don't know Jesus, you are going to be afraid. The guards were afraid. The appearance of the angels, can you imagine the sight of that? I, I would imagine that the ground shook, and then the angels come down, and the stone has rolled away. I've wondered before, did the guards see Jesus transition from the tomb? Right? They were just doing their job. They were guarding the tomb as they were told to do, to make sure that nobody tried anything funny. Yet in, they came face to face with the fulfillment of God's promise to humanity that his son would die for our sins, but would not stay dead and will be risen from the dead three days later. These poor fellows did not know Jesus personally. So fear is all they had. Fear, you see, is meant to help us to react to dangerous situations. Yet when we allow fear to paralyze us, we become slaves to it. We can't move. The women were afraid because of the appearance of the angels, but also because of their missing Lord. And ladies, I know you worry. I know you worry about your kids and your family. You worry about work. You worry about food and your concern for your loved ones runs deep. So I know you worry. And I think we see something similar here. Perhaps these women imagining the worst, 
Perhaps someone had stolen Jesus' body, they thought to themselves. They worry, yet when they're reminded of what Jesus himself has said, they take courage. Unlike the guards who are frozen by fear, they go and they tell others about what they see. When the disciples arrived, John believed. But Peter was still in disbelief. You see, disbelief often causes doubt in us, which produces confusion and leads us to fear when we don't understand. How could they have forgotten what Jesus told them? For over three years, they witnessed his working. They witnessed his miracles. Yet somehow they don't believe that he would rise from the dead. Did they fear out of concern uh, for what might happen to them due to their lack of faith? Or maybe now that Jesus is back, maybe Peter is thinking, Oh, geez, I remember what I did a couple nights ago. What are you afraid of today? How are we failing to trust in the good news of Jesus, which should bring us to hope everlasting, regardless of what situation we may be going through? After all, he has risen. He is not hanging on the cross. He is not decaying on the ground. Jesus is alive. So don't fear the unknown or your future. Trust in God's promise. Trust me, a promise I have to remind myself every day. Our second lesson then for today comes from that very knowledge and trust. If we do know Jesus, it is because he is alive and not dead. You see, if Jesus had stayed dead, he would not have been any greater than any other so-called religion claims for themselves up there. We believe that Jesus was human, but he was also divine. And in his resurrection, it sets him apart from any other religious accounts. You see, only Christianity has a Savior that took upon our punishment on his shoulders. The only Savior that died for us and was raised back to life for our sake. That's a great news just by itself. But I got to ask you, how do you know Jesus? Is it the Sunday school Savior where you prayed a simple prayer a long time ago and accepted him as your Savior, but you never activated your faith? James 2.17 reminds us that faith without works is dead. So if we know Jesus, what are we doing about it? Or maybe you know Jesus in a profound theological way, where you study his word, you know every story, you know every action you do, he took, you can regurgitate it out on command. Still, my question to you is, what are you doing with that knowledge? Knowledge is meant to be utilized. For example, if you can make the world's best Cuban sandwich, which of course means no lettuce, no tomato, do you keep that to yourself? Or do you invite people over to your home and you show off a little bit, you share with them what good is like? Of course, I think you would share. Yet many Christians find inspiration in their salvation and they put their faith in the service of others, but many do not. Unfortunately, many churches are full of Christians who cannot remember the last time that they shared the good news of Jesus and his gospel with someone. Jesus had, I believe, a personal relationship, uh, not only with the women, but of course with the disciples. Yet on the day of the resurrection, only the women come to check upon him. Even those disciples who had spent all that time near him, in his inner circle, who had experienced things that you and I can only imagine. Now that that mountaintop experience is over, they can't hardly remember why they followed him in the first place. My friends, 
We must serve a risen Savior, not a symbolic deity. Jesus walked as we should walk, and he loved as we should love. And I would dare that he would dare to say that he died as we should die in the service of others. Now, in this beautiful country of ours, we have not yet been called to put our faith to such a test. But you better believe that that day is coming. Will we stand up and proclaim him a risen Savior or reduce him to a Sunday morning experience? No. God's mercy must be personal to us. His grace, restoring, sustaining, and saving grace must motivate us each day to go and tell others. The women received such an encouragement from the angels, didn't they? And they went and they told others. Because of their experience with Jesus, they did not question such a command. Instead, they went. As a result, the third thing we want to share today, if we have experienced God's mercy and grace, it is up to us to go and tell others about it. Eventually, before ascending back into heaven, we know that Jesus commissioned and sent his disciples to go worldwide as his witnesses, right? He has already forgiven Peter. We have all those events in scripture. Now he says, go. And just like the women in the tomb, now they become obedient, right? And now it is evident that they did so because of us here today. You see, those disciples told someone about God's grace who told someone and so on and so on. In full obedience and with a desire to serve others, they willingly went. Did you know the church history tells us that all but one of the disciples were martyred because of their faith? We know that John was exiled to an island, might as well be sentenced to death out there by himself. But there, God gave him further revelations of what it means to be loved by a benevolent and good God. 1 John 4, 7 and 12, one of my favorite scriptures. The Bible says, Beloved, let us... Love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has made manifested amongst us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. A beautiful word. Beloved, verse 11, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, then God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This love guides us to do his will. And it is by that love that he promises to help us and to guide us. For example, the women were going to see Jesus again, right? But now I wonder if they, if they thought, how would they get inside the tomb? Everyone knew that a large stone was covering the entrance. And yet even in that, God had a purpose, even in this. And so he sends his angels, we know, to remove what was in their way. And so the last thing that we want to talk about today, this last nugget of wisdom, drawn from scripture, is if we need obstacles removed in our faith development, whether our things or people, sometimes maybe even ourselves, things that may be stopping us from fulfilling God's complete will in us, then we must trust in God's divine acts to help us, his divine power that he has promised through his Holy Spirit to remove those obstacles. Jesus himself spoke these words of encouragement for his people, for you and I, in the book of John, chapter 15. 
If you remain in me, he says, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father says, Jesus is glorified when you produce much fruit and in this way prove that you are my disciples. As the father loved me, he says, I too have loved you. Remain in my love, Jesus commands us. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. Then Jesus says, I've said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. Friends, we must find encouragement in the events of Christ's resurrection. If death could not stop him, nothing can stop him and stop his will for our lives. If punishment or being ridiculed, nailed to a cross, could not stop him by accomplishing God's will. How can anything stop him from removing those obstacles that prevent us from growing in him? No matter what you're going through, God is greater than those things. Perhaps obstacles like fear or lack of knowledge of his mercy, lack of experience or or of his love. God, through Jesus, set the way that we must travel. But are we traveling that route? Jesus is risen. Amen. And this is the best news that we could ever hear because it does indeed validate the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, if this promise is true, we can indeed believe when the word of God says that God is faithful. We can indeed believe that God says, I have a plan for you. We can indeed believe that what Christ came to accomplish in the cross and through the tomb It is meant to draw us back to him, to motivate us, not to continue sinning, but to repent and to go and tell the world about the good news. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the good news of this day. And while the cost was unthinkable to you, it made it possible for us to approach your throne of grace today so that we may accept your act of love on our behalf. Jesus, my Savior, thank you for for taking my place. I know I could not do it. Yet you were motivated uh, by a shepherd's love, really, to go and do whatever it took to bring back as many of your sheep back as you could into the fold. And so we thank you. Spirit of the living God, thank you for today's reminders that we must know Jesus, that we must activate our faith, that we must put that knowledge into practice, that we must go and tell others. And so as you guide us into that place of hope, grant us those opportunities. Lord, we know we don't deserve it, yet we thank you. And we celebrate this good news today. And we pray that you will grant us the opportunity with courage to go. We celebrate a good Friday as we await now your resurrection. Send us, Father, for we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As always, we're so grateful that you joined us. We pray that you've heard God's word today and that it may move you to put your faith into action. Please help us to spread the word by liking and by sharing wherever you watch us, whether it's YouTube or on Facebook or wherever you're watching. The love of God compels us to share his word. And so we encourage you to do the same. You've heard the good news. Now go and tell others. You don't know how? Trust God. Ask him to help you. Join a church family. Equip yourself so that you may have the tools necessary to tell others the simple truth. That God loves us so much that he sent his son not only to die on the cross, but he raised him from the dead so that we could have eternal life with him. May God bless each one of us today.